Thanks for tuning in to Eddie V's Horror Show. You're about to listen to an episode I recorded when I first started using professional audio equipment. I recorded a good quality solo episode and I thought everything was good. And when Violet came to record with me, I changed nothing with the mic setup before recording. And uh, I didn't do any quality control before uploading the episodes to Anchor. Audio quality in these episodes ranges from poor to barely listenable. I considered just taking these episodes down, but I ultimately decided to keep them up just in case some people like them despite the dog shit sound quality. If this is your first time listening, or if you're going back to listen to previous episodes you missed and have never listened to these before, I wanted to warn you that the audio in this episode and the ones recorded around this time are really, really bad. And especially if you're new to the show, I don't want to give you the impression that this is just how my podcast sounds all the time. So if the potato sound quality is too much for you, please skip these episodes. Episode 34, entitled Calm Down Caligula, is when I finally figured out how bad these episodes were sounding, and I got it fixed. So if you skip ahead to episode 34, you'll be in good audio quality again. And uh, much improved audio quality, since uh, before the episode entitled What Even Are Vampires, I was recording on my iPhone. So, while it's not as bad as the incorrectly calibrated audio episodes, it's far from professional sounding. Fortunately, all episodes from 34 onward are good quality audio. Thanks for listening, enjoy the show, and as always, stay creepy. The modern zombie was born with George A. Romero, but the zombie legend goes much farther back than that. You're listening to Eddie V's Horror Show. Hey everybody, welcome back to Eddie B's Horror Show. I am Edward Villanova, author, YouTuber, and the host of this damn fine podcast. Always with the titles. You know I love me some titles. And the lovely Megan voice. Trainer fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta give me that title. I don't need to give me titles. I give myself titles. Uh, Space Cowboy, also. Space Cowboy. Why not? <laughs> and the lovely voice you hear next to me is Violet Church. Hey, everybody. It's good to be back. And we're talking today about one of my favorite paranormal creatures, zombies. I think a perennial favorite all around. There have certainly been enough movies about them to show off how much people like zombies. And books. And books, yes. I'm a big book fan. This is episode number 27. I guess we're going to start out with what we're drinking. You are drinking, no surprise. The perennial favorite. <laughs> the Pendleton per- whiskey. Perennial favorite for A true western tradition. In support of our Canadian brothers to the north. Yeah, it's a western but also northern tradition. And uh, I'm trying something new today. It is Casa Maestri whiskey. It is also a Canadian whiskey. That was the whitest way I think I've ever heard anyone say that. Well, I'm a white guy, so <laughs> no surprise there. Are you white? Because are Italian people white? I think Italian people count as white. Like, we're kind of, we're like the, the Mexicans of Europe. But Europe is pretty white. <laughs> it is the honky motherland. Oh my goodness. Okay. 
but uh, I know you like your whiskey. Um, I really like this. This is... Um, it comes in a cute little flask. It does. It has imitation leather on it. It does. Super cute. And uh, super cute and super tasty. This is my probably my second favorite Canadian whiskey. We have the dueling Canadian whiskeys today. The Pendleton is better. It has that awesome soy sauce flavor to it. Again, with the soy sauce, I don't taste the soy sauce. It smells vaguely like soy sauce. I don't taste soy Delicious. sauce. This does not taste like soy sauce. Or smell like soy sauce. But it is pretty good. I, I don't do know. Like I it. just feel like, why drink substandard whiskey? If you're going to drink... You're I absolutely drink. agree with you. Says the guy who drank a moonshine last episode. But <laughs> I absolutely agree with you. Don't drink rot gut. Drink stuff that's actually good. Spend a little more... Live a little better. Whatever. How much is that? How much is this cute little flask? Okay, because it was a promotional thing, it was five dollars. <laughs> the actual bottle is I don't know. I didn't check. <laughs> <laughs> All right, whatever. Okay. It was good stuff, anyway. Enough about that. They're probably tired of hearing me extol the virtues of Pendleton. When you think of zombies, what do you think of? I mean, the undead, brains. Brains, yeah. Eating brains. The dead coming back to life, eating the living. My personal apocalypse plan. Right. It's important to have one. CDC recommends it. <laughs> I definitely trust the CDC. For sure. 100%. So, so <laughs> <laughs> moving on. So, yeah, our idea of zombies is really influenced by George A. Romero. When you think of zombies... You usually think of the Romarian zombies. The I don't because the weren't the zombies in the Night of, it's Night of the Living Dead, right? Night of the Living Dead was George Romero's first zombie film. Yes. Weren't they like super slow and? They were yeah, I guess they were slow-ish, but they also were actually pretty unconventional for zombies. Like the slow and inexorable. Yeah. Progress of death. Um, I mean, we get the probably the most trademark zombie thing is that when you do to put a zombie down for good, you have to shoot it in the head. You got to destroy the brain or set the whole thing on fire. But we also had some wild card zombie traits. Like they seemed like they were mindless, but they also used weapons. They used, I think, uh, what we see mostly in the movie is gardening tools. Hmm. And then from there... I've never seen this movie. Sorry. So... I don't watch old movies. <laughs> the, the, the zombie franchise sort of split from there. If the movie ends in Of the Dead, it's a Romero uh, zombie movie. And then the other guy who, who wrote it with him, uh, he made his own deviation of, of the, the zombie franchise there. And it's... If it ends in Living Dead... That's that's his that's his stuff, and he did a lot lots of wild things with the zombies from there. What was it? Uh, Return of the Living Dead. We have some pretty terrifying zombies in that, because you don't have the typical zombie weaknesses. Uh, shooting them in the head doesn't kill them. The only way to completely kill them is to burn them, you know, burn the, the body completely. But if you do that, it creates toxic gas. And anybody that breathes in the toxic gas turns into a zombie. Mm. So, yeah. And then on top of that, we have talking, thinking zombies. I don't like that movie. Yeah. 
It's that doesn't scary. seem like a zombie apocalypse scenario I'm going to come out on top in. Right. That seems like... <laughs> I always love we that. We don't. <laughs> if it's those zombies. I love that meme that's like... Sorry, I'm going to describe a meme for you. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it has all the zombies surrounding the car with the guy on top that's like... with the, has all the ammo or whatever. And it's like, what you think you're going to be. You think you're going to be <laughs> the guy on the car, but really you're going to be one of the zombies. Yeah, right. That's probably really me. Uh, I don't like running. I don't like running from things, so... Who does? I have some agreements. I have agreements with my significant other that he... If either one of us gets infected, we're just going to fight the other, so just we're just... We're good. zombies together. Yeah. Well, if, you, uh, if you're following the Living Dead rules, the reason why zombies eat brains... And also, they only ex- exclusively eat brains. They don't just eat the rest of the body. They eat brains because living brains have a... What's the word? An, an anesthetic effect to them because it hurts to be dead. Oh, that's kind of sad. Yeah. Not sure what the anesthetic part of the brain would be, but... I have no idea Bless either. their hearts. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But there's like... Okay, so we kind of we kind of looked at zombies from a different approach. I really, yeah. I mean, I like zombies in that. You know, I've seen a few zombie movies, really not very many. Whenever I started trying to look at it, how many zombie movies there are, I was like, wow, I've basically seen no zombie movies. Yeah. But um, I've read lots of zombie books, and so there's a lot of famous series and you know books about zombies. And right. so we tried to. I tried to look at it from more the entertainment kind of you know media aspect, and you looked at it from the history aspect. So which one yeah. are we going to talk about more? All right, so we can talk about the history first. And if you listen to the episode about vampires, this is sort of the same deal. There's there are so many historical references to a, a legend of a creature that is something very similar to a zombie. You know, the, the basic things of it's it's usually a dead person who's come back to life that is more or less feral, uh, eats people or drinks blood or something like that. So the, I feel like that the vampire and the zombie legends really dovetail, especially yes. if you look at some of the vampire legends from Eastern Europe. They were not like they were not the sophisticated, posh, like, right. Yeah. Um, super fancy people from like Anne Rice's novels, like they were just like dumb, like crazy, you know. Yeah, again, like, very hungry, feral, feral creatures. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if you listened to my episode on vampires or not, but we we did talk. I talked about that. Yeah, you did it without me. I did it without you. That's true. So, I mean, maybe I would have had a lot of insights to vampires. And now you'll never know. But we can do a vampires part two. Like, there's so much stuff that I didn't talk about. Because I was already. On I like vampires hour. too. I like. I do like creatures. I like to read, but I like reading about them. I think mm. you're more of a movie watcher, and I'm more of a book reader. Yeah, yeah, it's probably true. So I'm probably smarter. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna argue with you on that. I, <laughs> I believe you are smarter than me. So yeah, I mean, history is is chock full of uh, creatures from all different time periods all over the world um, that have things that sound like zombies. The Draugr are something I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about them in the vampire episode because there's a lot about them that is very, very much like the uh, Eastern European vampire or upir legends. Um, So 
the Draugr is in many ways your typical zombie. Dead person came back to life. Um, they eat, you know, eat the living. Actually, I think they mostly drink blood. They can eat flesh. Like but, entrails. Yeah, entrails. You know, anything that contains blood, they'll be interested in. But they mostly drink blood. That's the main thing they're after. But then they do have like some classic Bram Stoker style <laughs> vampire traits. Like they sleep in coffins. Um, they're higher they're high functioning for zombies like they can think like people they're sort of they're feral but they can also they have logic and they can they can actually like work together to like, try to trap people and things like that so frightening yeah very frightening also kind of like the um the living dead zombies right? they can they can think they can formulate plans <laughs> Do you ever wonder, like, how much of this history they use to inform their screenwriting? Yeah, yeah. That I mean, I feel like they must have for for some of these things because, like, there are specific things from history or from folklore that come up in these movies a lot. Mm -hmm. So another one is uh, the ghoul. The ghoul is, um, I mean, I guess it depends on where you're. Where your source of the word ghoul comes from, but um, a ghoul, if you're familiar with Vampire the Masquerade, a ghoul is the servant of a vampire. That's not even a real thing. What are you well, talking about? Well, none of it's about? a real thing. <laughs> yes, it is. This is real history. Well, yeah, this is history, but. Zombies are real things. Yeah. Bro, why are you talking about that Stephen King? <laughs> okay, so I'm just. Like, this is a vampire... Uh, vampire, sorry. This is zombies and culture, right? Um, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about vampires, too, because, like I said before, all these are really intertwined, you know? And I feel like a lot of these could have... It's possible that there is some common legend or maybe even a common thing that these... You know, real thing that these legends came from. Well, if you just think about, like, the movement of people... You know, the the idea, the word that we have for zombie comes from Haiti. Right. But that, not from the original Haitian pe people, like the Correct. original inhabitants of the islands. During the westward expansion, when the Spanish came over and they just pretty much annihilated everyone, whether through disease or right. just kind of being dicks. And then they were like, crap, we don't have anyone left to do labor. And so that's really how <laughs> yeah. the 10 million... Uh, slaves from Africa started coming over. So right. the majority of the people in Haiti were originally Africans. Right, yeah. So, but if you think about, like, how, you know, the stuff trickles in from Africa, so the the word zombie and the, you know, voodoo and things of that nature all came from Africa. Right. And so it's, you know, they, it's, I think it's really, that, that to me, that's more interesting than... Vampire the Masquerade because well, I know, but... that idea of the like the reanimation of a spirit, I think that, that that's what is the common thread, the reanimated spirit. Like the I mean not even spirit, but a reanimated person. Yeah. This this idea that people can come back from beyond the grave. Yeah. So whether it be that's why the vampires and zombies are so intertwined, is that, you know, 
of course, most of us were like, okay, you can come back as a vampire, you can come back as a zombie. We're going to be like, yes, absolutely vampire. <laughs> right. Because, but the, you know, they, if you think about like the medieval peasant, they're not going to think that their loved one's going to come back as a opulent prince. They're yeah. going to think that their loved one, that anyone coming back from the grave is going to be a verifiable monster. Right. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I mean, I mean, any, from any continent. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that idea of ghoul, that kind of dovetails into the, really the first mention of, of vampires. It's like 1637, or, or not vampires, sorry, zombies. 1637, Victorian literature talking about, again, the ghoul. And yeah. that's really, that's, you know, the reanimated spirit. So not really necessarily flesh, but the spirit, reanimated spirit. Yeah, so, I mean, but uh, the term ghoul is actually pretty pretty widespread in Arabic folklore, uh, pre-Islam anyway, is uh, it was a demon that was, it was associated with you know, living in graveyards and, and eating human flesh. So it wasn't technically a reanimated corpse. It was, you know, uh, I, I always, I don't know how to categorize something that is called a demon outside of like Judeo-Christian so pre-Islam, they like the the Bedouin and stuff tribes and stuff like that. They had their own pantheistic religion, and there were a lot of spirits. You know, sort of like if you think about Native Americans, they had they they worship different aspects of the, the world around them. So it's kind of the same thing. Um, they had they worship different aspects of the world around them, but the world was very different than the one that we know here. So desert. Yeah. Um, like gins, genies, stuff right, like that. That all gins. comes from those from those traditions. Yeah, I just mean like um, the term demon. I feel is like is something that is somewhat misused because it's been sort of transposed onto this uh, because probably because it's a foreign religion. Well, I, I think I don't think that they call every spirit that's from a foreign religion a demon, but this is obviously like not a nice spirit. Yeah, yeah. Usually, not when it, someone you want to meet on your Sunday walk through the graveyard. <laughs> right. One uh, of a favorite pastime of mine. Eh. Every Sunday, strolling through the tombstones. But um, yeah, so I mean, I guess yeah, the term demon. It didn't know. It's like it's it's a connotation of letting you know, bad guy. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an evil spirit or something like that. Which is exactly what demon means. Well. Yeah, I guess so. But I mean, in like in Judeo-Christian, it's uh, what it's what it means. No matter what, evil spirit. Like that's a word for an evil spirit. Well, so I mean, you are putting okay, your no, 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 content yeah, 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 right, understanding yeah. on it based on the religion that you have grown up with. But that doesn't. No, that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying is that the, the terminology has gotten transposed onto other cultures. So anyway, I, I feel like the term evil spirit, I mean, yeah, like biblically, yes, usually you know, it meant a demon, but you know, if you're talking about... Do you not about, think that these people thought that a ghoul was evil? Yeah, I do, absolutely. So That's why, why the term gets used. I'm confused about what your beef is. I'm not, I, I don't have any beef with it. I'm just saying, I'm just making an observation. The ghoul, pre-Islam, was a, a demon that lived in a graveyard and ate flesh. So uh, not necessarily uh, the spirit. Well, I don't know. I mean, I feel like maybe this is talking about the spirit of a person, just an evil spirit, because it's 
living in a graveyard. But I don't know. I don't know that for sure. Um, another creature, obviously from Egyptian folklore, is the mummy. Well, okay. I mean, obviously a mummy is... I'm giving him a weird look because... Yeah. Obviously a mummy is a... Um, mummification is a, a burial practice to preserve the corpse, right? Or at least prevent it from... Yeah, to, to preserve the corpse, corpse so they can use it in the afterlife. Yeah. But... How the, does that have anything to do with zombies? Okay, so mummies, according to folklore, they can rise from the dead with their you know, still mostly decayed body, but with a restored mind. And it was only if the if their corpse or their legacy was offended. So if the so like in the mummy with Brendan like Fraser, right, right, I got or you. in the in the MGM you know class, or was it you know, Universal the, the classic mummy movie? Okay, didn't ever see that, okay. but I did see the mummy with Brendan Fraser. Right. Well, that works too. I hate eight people, so yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. That's how how it's similar to. So did the, the old mummy movie that did mummies eat people if they were offended? They could, yes. Wow, some some serious punishment <laughs> yeah. for offending someone. <laughs> yeah. You think cancel culture is bad? <laughs> <laughs> One of the more amusing legends to me is uh, the Rosalka. Now, the Rosalka was a it was a female zombie for some reason they were always female and instead of walking the earth what they would do is walk to the nearest body of water and jump in and swim around and live in the water and they're sometimes sort of mermaid like they would you know their legs would become a tail or whatever and sometimes not and what they would do was they would sw swim out to boats and they would prey on sailors, but not the way that you think. Um, they would sneak aboard ships, and they sometimes they would kill and eat people, but mostly they were pranksters. <laughs> <laughs> they liked playing pranks on sailors. Uh, and their, their trademark deal was to take a feather and tickle the sailors' feet while they were asleep. And which, like, you see that a lot of old cartoons and stuff, you know, somebody tickling somebody's feet with a feather. They're, they're tickling zombies. And the, the word Rusalka, uh, I'm sorry, this is from one of the Slavic nations. Um, I forget which one, but yeah, the, the word Rusalka. You know, one of the Slavic nations. Means tickler. That's hilarious. They're all ladies because no dude sailor wants to be like, yeah, it's definitely a dude that's hopping aboard the ship and tickling the shit out of my feet. Yeah. So, um, another interesting one was the, I don't know how to say this, the Wiedergonger, um, which uh, it, it's German, it's from German folklore, it means one who walks again, and it's a lot like the Revenant from Eastern European folklore. And, uh, you know, they're sort of like a corporeal ghost. They come back from the dead to seek justice, um, like on the person that killed them or somebody that wronged them or whatever, to set some, some wrong right. And then, in, uh, again, we got in Slavic folklore, there's the Fext, which is um, 
it's a the it's a dead soldier who comes back to avenge the death of again itself or its comrades. Sometimes attacking the enemy, some sometimes uh, attacking you know somebody who may have been a, you know, a traitor or a deserter. And these were indestructible. You couldn't you couldn't kill them um, in any of the classic zombie ways. The the only way to kill one was with a glass weapon. So a glass sword or a glass bullet or something like that. Shard of glass. exist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to fashion one, I guess. You know, so that's kind of like needing a you know a silver bullet or a silver knife to kill a uh, kill a werewolf or having to use a wooden stake to kill a, a vampire. Like I said, the list of these creatures it, it goes on and on. There's hundreds, probably thousands of them. So this is just a little a little sample of things from other cultures and other times that are reminiscent of a zombie. The term zombie comes from Haitian culture, really from the, the birth of voodoo, where... Just kind of like that mi mixing we talked about of the West African cultures, right. of, the, of which there were many. We want to make sure and say, like, West Africa is not monolithic, and there's many cultures that kind of amalgamated together with right. mass forced migration of slaves into... Haiti and yeah. you know, the, rest so, of the, the rest of the Western Hemisphere. Right. At the time known as uh, Saint-Domingue. That plus those cultures plus the Indian cultures plus Catholicism. Yeah. All mixed together to make a hearty soup <laughs> right. of voodoo. Yeah. That's, that's how voodoo was born. And with it, the legend of the zombie. And this is a legend, I guess, that is it's peppered with some fairly verifiable incidents. There was zombie powder that was made by voodoo priests, and uh, it was made from the venom of a, a puffer fish. Um, and so this- Which is a neurotoxin. Yes, it's a very potent neurotoxin. And it was administered by blowing it into somebody's face. And when they inhale it, it can put them into a death-like state that without you know modern medicine, um, you know, the, the heartbeat was faint enough that um, you know, people would be pronounced dead and often buried before the toxin wore off. Or there was actually even, there was a revival powder that counteracted the zombie powder. So if they wanted to bring somebody back sooner, they could use this on. This is actually even written about in some medical journals or verified, like, verified incidences of this happening um it from haiti in particular like um that was written about in like the late 70s but the idea of being buried you know buried alive is not a new concept by any stretch of the imagination right so there were all sorts of ways that people tried to ensure that their loved one wasn't buried alive but there have still been many graves exhumed that had the fingernail scratches on the inside of the coffins and stuff like that. So. Right. And again, uh, in the vampire episode, we talked about this a little bit. A, a common practice was to have something called a safety coffin. There was a specific style of safety coffin. Uh, I wish I could remember the guy's name that invented them. Uh, a really common style was uh, depicted in the 1977 movie, uh, the Great Trine Robbery, and of course in the book that it was based on, where 
somebody's buried with you know inside a coffin and there's a hole in the coffin with a string tied around the uh, dead person's hand the string was attached to a bell on a pole next to where they were buried and then if they woke up they could ring the bell to let people know that they were still alive that and Rizzi's mother oh did it really yep and she was exhumed and she was okay and then she had Robert E. Lee oh wow that was before she even had it wow yeah. that's amazing so there's many instances of people being buried so this isn't I mean with modern burial practices and modern medicine I would say it's not a concern anymore right um, but there are, are places and cultures that absolutely do not, um, I guess, adhere to the modern mortuary practices that that would be still a concern. Yeah. I mean, uh, Stephen King wrote a very creepy story about that instance. Right. Yeah. What was that called? I have no idea what the story was called, but I remember reading it and thinking, Ooh. Yeah. It was a, yeah, it was a short story. Yeah. But yeah. That was, that was a good one. So, but the, um, just like the concept of being a sort of fearing the dead is not, I mean, like it's threaded throughout our, or death-like states is threaded throughout even like ancient history. Um, so specifically the Bible talks, um, about a couple of instances of either raising people from the dead or, um, a very famous passage excuse me, passage in Ezekiel. It was written um, during the Israel captivity in Babylon. So from like 592 to 570 BC. So fairly old. Um, it's called the Valley of Dry Bones, wherein God tells Ezekiel to prophesy to a valley of dry bones. He does. And then there... Um, it says specifically, there was a noise, a rattling sound, the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, tendons and a flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And so obviously the passage goes on for further prophecies, and this means things to Israel. Um, but that is a, a very, like an ancient reference to what could be zombies. Like if you, if you, I know that that passage always kind of creeped me out <laughs> yeah. whenever I was a kid and I heard it. So that's, that's one ancient reference. Um, obviously, Lazarus, like Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, that's a very famous, um, uh, you know, story that there are many people that were raised from the dead, and Jesus himself, um, in, in the Bible. And so that, that concept of being able to come back from death is very much alive in the, in right. the scriptures. Um, the ancient Greeks also um, were purportedly afraid of the undead so they've uncovered many burial sites that have um skeletons that are weighed down by like rocks specifically like weighed down um by things rocks heavy objects to keep them from rising right and there that's also in uh, in irish culture there's a famous field in ireland that is supposed to have a uh, an ancient vampire buried under uh, a big pile of rocks there and uh, there's a there's a a movie out on Shutter called uh, "The Boys from County Hell" that talks about that um, that pile of rocks and what happens when the the rocks are removed from the field. Interesting. Probably won't catch that one, but that's all right. Um, so <laughs> it's a good movie. I recommend it. 
We, I mean, we kind of, I kind of mentioned that they, in literature, they sort of appeared, like, the idea of, like, the reanimated spirit, at least, kind of made its way into literature in 1697. But if you think about um, that, you know, kind of jumping off of the idea of these, the Haitian priests that would have this powder where people would be put in this undead state or, um, you know, near-death state. If you think about, um, like, what Romeo and Juliet, so the solution right, to yeah. outsmart the parents, she took a poison that would keep her in this undead state and so close to death that she was buried, and then with much pomp and circumstance because she was an important person in Indiana, and then, you know, would came alive at the exact wrong moment and right <laughs> after Romeo had drank the poison and killed himself. Just too late. So, I mean, that idea of, of, of a of a mimic, a death mimic, is, you know, right. is not, you know, exclusive to Haitian culture either. Um, I mean, really, we could probably make dozens and dozens of episodes. We could probably make a whole podcast just working through all of the zombie movies. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But if you expand your definition of zombie to just kind of talk about any kind of reanimated dead, then there are just too many zombie movies to talk about. Right, right. So he already talked about the um, George A. Romero, and so that's kind of when zombies as flesh-eating, you know, corpses kind of came onto our, like, the modern consciousness. So if we just take, I mean, if we just take Wikipedia's word for it, which I kind of have to because I do not watch old movies. (laughs) Um, So there is... A movie that was, um, Jacques, Jacques, sorry, I don't speak French, but it's a French film. It was in 1919 and it's really about war, um, and you know, like the atrocities of war. And in the, in the end, like the, uh, like the soldiers kind of like reanimate and find you know, reanimate and kind of and fight a battle and for the truth or whatever. And so probably it's really a stretch to call it a zombie movie. <laughs> um, but then the other movie that really maybe is the the fir- the really the first zombie movie is the, this 1932 film White Zombie. So right, widely regarded as the first zombie movie. I know, but I felt like. That because Wikipedia listed it, I would just throw it out there in case someone Googled it later. And I was like, you lied to me. Uh, I'm sure. I mean, even you could say that um, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari could be a form of zombie movie also. You know, there's there are other movies that have some element to them that could fit into the zombie category. And that's kind of what I noticed about the Wikipedia list. It's like there's, you know... There's a Pirates of the Caribbean movie on here. Like, there's some movies that are, we were like, uh... Yeah, it's a little bit of a stretch. But, um, and this movie really has the the Haitian voodoo zombie. Right, yeah. That's, that's what this movie is about. So much different than the uh, Night of the Living Dead. Yes. Well, of course, there are, from that point, Night of the Living Dead, we've, you know, the idea of... A, a creature franchise, I guess, 
has really exploded. I mean, obviously, right. most of the movies are after 1968 for multiple reasons. But, I mean, you can think of television shows. There's multiple television shows, even beyond uh, A Walking Dead, that have capitalized on this idea of zombies. Right. Multiple books. I mean, they're, it, like, like I said earlier, we could really have a, a whole podcast dedicated to going through these zombie things. So I just picked out a few of them that I recognized that I thought were kind of fun um, and different. So obviously there are a lot of movies that are based on zombies killing everyone, you killing the zombies, trying to survive, that kind of thing. Right. So I picked out some movies that I thought were interesting. So Paranorman, don't hate y'all. All All right. (laughs) So it's a it's a dark fantasy comedy horror film, but it's like a zombie movie for kids. It's stop motion, which I'm a sucker for stop motion. I love uh, that that form of animation. Right, the the old Harryhausen stop motion animations. Yeah. So I love that, and I think this movie is so cute and funny. Um, and he's this little boy Norman speaks with the dead, um, and like all these ghosts in town, and and you know it's it's. Like, if you want to feel a good movie that you can share with your kids, if they're not um, Freddy Cats, then, yeah. <laughs> or they're not real little, then this is a good movie. Just, like, I think this is a good introduction. I feel like you want to introduce your kids into horror, but, like, this is, like, feel-good, funny, um, silly horror. So I, I actually really like this movie. So I'm basically basically a child. <laughs> um, another one I... Uh, another one I pull out to, to kind of talk about is... You know, the idea of zombies is so um, universal. Like, it's just pushed across all aspects of culture. And so you guys may have gathered um, through listening to me talk to Eddie V here is that I'm a bit of a book nerd. I love um, reading. I love Pulp Fiction all the way through the classics. And so I'm a huge Jane Austen fan. And I know that that's so typical for ladies. But I'm also a fan of the... Of the adaptations of her novels that um, to add in monsters and notably Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. And so this was a movie in 2016. Right. Amazing. I mean, Elizabeth Bennett was basically created to battle zombies. And I just don't <laughs> even know why uh, Jane Austen didn't realize that in the time, except for she probably didn't know what zombies are. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's okay. It's not her fault. Um, we've rectified this in the, you know, in the 21st century. You know, we're good to go. So she, um, I mean, if you've read, I really feel like you have to read, and I told Eddie B, you need to read Pride and Prejudice. And then whenever you read Pride and Prejudice in Zombies, it's that much more hilarious. And I don't say that about everything. Like, if you're not a, a classic literature kind of person, or you look at Jane Austen as lady, liter- lady literature, like it kind of is, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but the there's a lot of snarky humor in the original book and it's just amped up time. I mean, it's even funnier and I don't know. It's even funnier having, knowing the real story versus why, you know, no, you know, reading this novel and then seeing the movie even better. So it was amazing. I actually dressed up as a zombie killing Elizabeth Bennett for Halloween once. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So another zombie movie I wanted to talk about that I think is kind of, outside the mold of zombie movies is Fido and um Eddie V actually introduced me to this movie I probably would have never watched it on my own but great movie it's a comedy and it stars 
Billy Connolly. Billy Connolly. Right. And if uh, you aren't familiar with him, he is the dad in Boondock Saints. Yeah, he's also a he's a Scottish stand-up comedian, but most people will probably know him from the Boondock Saints. And really, they have like the they have zombies are a thing. They have these collars that can control them, and it, it is freaking hilarious. So I was really glad he made me watch it, just because I was like, mm, I don't know about this. Right, and also uh, Carrie Ann Moss of. Uh, the Matrix fame. She oh. played Trinity. Okay. I I knew that, but I didn't know it. Okay. <laughs> um. Anyway, so that I mean, like there is that all that to say is that there is like a huge gamut of zombie movies. I mean, obviously, one of the most famous ones in recent times has been um, uh, Zombie Land. There was a like, Zombie Land two that came out. I didn't. Right. I saw the first one. I didn't see the second one. Same here. Um. You know, a con- you know, it had all the gruesome gore of a zombie movie, but was still pretty hilariously funny. All right. Um, so I don't know. I I I love the range that of entertainment that zombie movies can have. So also pretty famous World War Z. Have a little bit of a bone to pick with this movie because if you read the book, yeah. I feel like. I know people say this all the time, but for Pete's sake, like it just was so unlike the book like I'm I feel like that it shouldn't have even if I was Max Brooks I mean he's probably not mad because he made a crap ton of money on it I'm sure but I would be pissed because I would be like seriously did you read my book that book is a survival guide right no It, it, it reads like a history book and it reads like you're reading the history of any world war but this happens to be world war z and it it is an amazing book. If you're a reader at all, like this book is chilling and so informative and you're, and you read it and you think, at least I thought to myself, like, okay, none of this happened, even though it's told in such factual, it's like, there's anecdote, like personal anecdotes mixed in, but it's, it's, it's read, you read so factual. You're like, wow, I need to remind myself. This didn't happen. Right, I mean, right. okay. <laughs> he also wrote a zombie survival guide, which he's um, got a lot of, I don't know, flack, admiration about that he he's a big advocate of being able to know how to survive on your own without, you know, in the event of an apocalypse. Which, on one hand, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, we having, thinking about a zombie, like an apocalyptic plan or whatever is good, but... You know, we already talked about that meme about, like, what's going to happen. Any kind of major um, event that happens, most of the people are going to die in the first wave. And so I'm not, I don't know. I always think, like, yeah, it's kind of fun to think about your zombie apocalypse plan. But then I'm like, do I want to live in a world where there is no electricity? There's no utilities. There's no air conditioning. There's no plumbing. There's no modern healthcare. I work in healthcare. I don't want to be without modern healthcare. And no, I'd rather just go in the first wave. Is that that's probably a pessimistic view of life? Yeah, I mean, I feel like watching The Walking Dead. Uh, we're getting pretty close to the uh, premiere of the second half of season eleven, last last season, folks. Um, where uh, I feel like the 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 picture that they've painted uh, up to this point. The zombies are really sort of like a background environmental factor. You know, the it's it's mostly about you know the rebuilding of society and the the power struggles of these different groups and things. And I feel like 
if if it went down that way, um, I wouldn't mind living in a society like that. You know, like it's an actual society. I mean, I guess I didn't watch The Walking Dead. I I'm sorry. I sometimes I wonder why you want me to even be on here. Like I've read a lot of books, <laughs> y'all, but I just don't watch a lot of stuff. Um, I don't. I mean, to me, eleven seasons of watching these people slog through the apocalypse—that sounds super depressing. And I bet it's, lots of people die. But that's the thing. It's not just. It's not a slog. I mean, it's it's uh, everything. It's about the the push for you know being being greater. You know, being being bigger. You know, making rebuilding society. Sure. Like there, there's a bleakness, but there, it's also there's a bleakness. There is. I mean, but it's like there's, there's a there's a bleak aspect, but there's also a very hopeful aspect. Sometimes, whenever I hear people say that, I really do struggle to find to find the hope. But I mean, you know, Walking Dead is a great example of the wild commercial success of zombies as a as an idea, and I feel like that zombies. I don't know, maybe this isn't true. I'm starting to think of other television series. Is, but I feel like that The Walking Dead has enjoyed a kind of success that a lot of other creature-based television series hasn't. Yeah, for sure. I don't know, maybe Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She was That was pretty commercially successful. It yeah. has like a really big cultural icon um, as much as The Walking Dead is. Like it's really kind of, it's sort of shaped our... Uh, what I like about some of these, like, because this is really obviously an overarching work, and it's really shaped the idea of zombies for generation. Like, whenever they yeah. think of zombies, like kids, they think of zombies. They watch The Walking Dead. Like, these are the zombies that come to mind. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would say even as much as Jordi Romero's work did. Right. And so that's kind of the uh, amazing thing about this. If you think about the idea of this this, you know, reanimated spirit or corpse, like that what has changed about it and how it's modulated and moved through time. I mean, we're talking about, oh, you know, 2000 years or more. Yeah. Um, since, you know, if we, if we go all the way back to some of like the biblical prophecies and stuff like that, ancient Greece and all these things that, that this idea, this thread has kind of run through multiple cultures. And that's, um, Whenever I was taking a class about mythology and talking about monsters, one of the writers um, that we studied said that, um, you know, monsters come from like a, a collective cultural mind that culturally that we, you know, the monster, the reason that all these monsters have, you can see this, their threads throughout time is that they're all things that we fear culturally. And so it's very easy to see what the fear of zombies comes from, the fear of the dead, the fear right. of death, the fear of unknown, you know, a death is a huge unknown for a lot of people. Yeah. So. And we kind of talked about this in our, our Libra Monstrorum episode about the whole, the, the human monster thing. You know? Right. Absolutely. And that's the human monster really, very literally. Right. And the idea, I mean, I think even so, I think that even like what we specifically fear from zombies is has evolved even more in that it's have that, you know, the idea that our neighbors could absolutely, our neighbors could break in our house and eat us, (laughs) you know, that, 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 you know, not literally, but we have that fear of people around us and, 
Right. We're not as much of a community, I don't feel like, as we have been in past years. Yeah. Yeah. Overall in the world. But in some ways, it that's not true. But in some ways, I think it really is. We are much more isolated. Yeah. 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 More um, uh, socially, anyway. Uh, even aside from, you know, the pandemic. Right. <laughs> even more so with that. But, I think that others underscored and like, you know, I, I joke about like, you know, haven't been out of my house in two years, but like I can go out of my house now, but I still really only go to the hospital. That's it. Right. For work. <laughs> yeah. For, yeah. For yeah. work. <laughs> like all those over the two year gap, I think a lot. And I think this is true for a lot of people that the, all those social things that we did as a habit have kind of fallen away. Yeah. We don't do them anymore. It's hard to get back into that habit. So, I don't know. A little social commentary there for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the great thing about zombies. They are, uh, they offer so, uh, such poignant social commentary. They really do. And they're, I mean, they're, I think that they're one of the most interesting kinds of creatures to read about is that vampires really only go one way. Right. You know, they're long lived and they're beautiful and blah, 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 all this stuff. So they're just, it's really the repeating of the same stories, but with a, a zombie story, you can really do a lot of different things. There's lots of different aspects. One, I mean, yeah. one thing I, one series of books, and I'm not going to be able to think of it. I looked, I have a couple thousand books, y'all. And so, I, um, I couldn't find this book that I was thinking about and maybe I don't own it, but there was a, a town where, uh, it was post-apocalyptic, apocalyptic, sorry, post-apocalyptic. And there was a job in this town where if like, say, you knew, you know, that your husband was a zombie, um, and you had made it out, but your husband was still, you know, you would tell this person where, uh, your husband was and give them a picture of your husband and then they would go out and they would kill your husband. So your husband's not just being a zombie out there. You're right. And so I thought that was, and it was such an interesting, very, very interesting, um, series of, of books and stuff like that. And it's such an interesting, like an interesting take on that sort yeah. of like the honor killing kind of right. take on the, on the zombie. So it's still, yeah, it's still zombies, but it's such a, there's a lot of interesting ways to go about that. Yeah, that story because the zombies themselves are really not. I mean, they're not that interesting. They're dead. Yeah. So like it's it's the the different stories that you tell around the people around them. Yes, yeah, the, the the society that surrounds the zombies it gives you an opportunity to examine you know specific parts of our society and, and give commentary on them even if it's through a a colorful distorted way. You know, and uh, I mean I think the overarching idea there is that inside everybody you know lurks this this basal um you know instinctive creature that you know that is you know capable of killing for you know whatever it whatever it needs or desires not me i'm super evolved <laughs> well congratulations so one of the things that i did with the uh the vampire episode was make a judgment call on uh, do you think that it's possible that there is any sort of truth to the vampire or the, I'm sorry to the zombie myth yes do you think it's something that you know, could happen or possibly has happened before 
Like a zombie apocalypse or that zombies? Uh, zombies, yeah, not, I mean... Well, yeah, I mean, all the things that we talked about, about people, the people thinking that someone was dead and then... Yeah. They weren't. <laughs> right, well, I mean, but that's not a zombie, per se, that's a person who wasn't really dead. Oh, so you mean like a, well, there's the zombie ants. That, right, that... yeah, the cordyceps fungus that, again, we talked about in the vampire episode. The cordyceps fungus uh, inhabits the body of an ant. Uh, the ant dies, and it puppets the ant's body. Uh, the ant's still alive. Oh, is it? I thought it killed the ant. The ant's still alive for a lot of it. Okay. Eventually it dies, and then it can still use the ant's body, but okay. when it's infected with the fungus, it's still alive. Right. And it slowly loses its faculties. Right. But it, it hijacks the ant's body. And it doesn't and... eat. And it, it typically starves to death, I believe. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Because the fun- if it's only doing what the fungus tells it to. And typically the fungus just tells, you know, has the ant climb somewhere high so that it can die and decay and release spores over a, you know, a larger area so the cordyceps fungus can propagate. Live to kill again. Live to kill again. Kill yeah, I mean, again. if you think about, I mean, I know that that's that's a more gruesome aspect, but if you, that's how, exactly how viruses work. Right. Yeah. Invades the body, invades the living cell, injects its DNA into the cell's DNA, causes the cell to ignore all of the things it's supposed to be doing and churn out little virus babies uh-huh. until it literally pops under the pressure of so many virus babies. Right. And then all the virus babies go out and do it again. Yeah. And uh, the video game The Last of Us um, explores that that theory that, you know, a, a cordyceps-like fungus could infect humans. And those be these fungal <laughs> uh, zombies in the, in the Last of Us. The clickers, I think they're called. I mean, obviously we can't say what is what you know what is uh, you know what is the end horizon for virology um there are a lot of crazy tumors and viruses that can do astounding things you know that we we discover stuff all the time right so things can, that we didn't even necessarily think were possible right previously and, and sometimes I think about the fact that there's stuff that people know, people that study these things know that are kind of horrifying that they haven't shared with the public because they haven't published yet or whatever. It's not necessarily. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that people that are, you know, that are studying these things that know that we don't know. Yeah. Even a few years ago, uh, Johns Hopkins University released a paper on uh, a cancer called PanNet. I, I don't know all the ins and outs of it. But um, they wrote a paper uh, saying that it's possible that this um, type of cancer could uh, create a a living dead scenario. And basically, the I think my layman's version of it, I believe what it is, is that um, cells that are the PanNet cells will actually um, they're dead cells, but they continue to operate. As if they were alive. Right. 
Which is a pretty big jump from an entire... I mean, you know, humans are fairly complex. So... Yeah. There's a lot that... There's a lot that has to go on in order to keep the body moving, the brain functioning at any level. Even, you know, even if you're just talking about the brain stem functions. Um, yeah. You know, there's just, there's a lot that has to happen for all that to happen. So that you see, like, the decayed dead bodies that are animated, like, it just, you know, medically, my medical knowledge will say no. Yeah. But, um, you know, even then, you know, I'm certainly not the NLDL, I'm not a virologist, so I don't... I'm not an oncologist or any of those things. I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens in medicine just in my practice. Yeah. Super aggressive tumors and, you know, crazy things that happen, you know, that, I mean, so you know, you could never, that's the thing with zombies is that you can never really say it's not possible. Are you going to tell us about your zombie apocalypse plan? Uh, as of yet, I don't have one. I have... What? I have guns and I have ammo. That's, that's about it. No food? I mean, Typical I got, man. I got a fridge, some food. I got a fridge. Good job. You got a fridge. Congratulations. <laughs> I got a fridge and I got a, uh, I got a, you know, some cold packs and a backpack. Cold packs. <laughs> if you guys have any good, um, zombie apocalypse, I plan ideas, maybe... Oh, let me help, the chair, yeah. Yeah, help Eddie V out, because obviously, <laughs> he's going to starve to death. I got a bottle of hooch. I got a revolver. I'll be all right. <laughs> that sounds like a suicide play. <laughs> it does. Uh, hey, I mean, maybe that's the best option, the zombie apocalypse. Oh, that's saying. Don't say that. You're right. I'd rather go down go down in a blaze of glory. But you know you're going to go down. I mean, I guess it depends on what zombie franchise you're going with. I don't know. I want to go down in the first. I want to go down in the first wave when I still have air conditioning. I want if there's going to be a zombie apocalypse, I want it to be the night of the living dead zombie apocalypse, where it's all resolved in one night, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like by locals, <laughs> they didn't even need to call an army or anything. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been fun talking about zombies. I think there's there's a lot of really interesting stuff um, historically, especially how widespread the folklore is, and even kind of an interesting level of research on them in uh, in modern times. So uh, maybe maybe some fun things to think about. Any other any fellow horror writers out there, you know, give give you some, some fun slants, some fun yeah. slants to take with the zombie. Eh? Yeah. The zombie ideas. That, that's what we need, really, is unique slants on the zombie story. There's a lot out there. There really is. Maybe we can do another episode where we t- talk about some more in depth. I feel like we need another zombie episode and probably another vampire episode. I have lots to say about vampires, so yeah. make sure you tune in, because you did that without me, because I had work. I did. Rude. <laughs> so, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll be talking a lot more about these things in future episodes. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. I hope you enjoyed listening to us yak about zombies for an hour. Uh, we'll see you next time, and as always, stay creepy. Thanks for listening. To read some of my stories, see my artwork, and find links to my videos and podcasts, visit my website at edwardvillanova.com. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about, a work of horror you'd like to hear reviewed, or to submit a true account or short horror story, send me a message at edwardvillanova.com contact, 
or on the Eddie V's Horror Show Facebook page. To shop horror fan merch designed by yours truly, go to edwardvillanova.com and click on the shop link. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, please consider rating and reviewing my podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. The positive, high-star reviews really help me out. If you really like what you're hearing here, please consider giving to my Patreon. The range of benefits include everything from personalized content to free merch and so much more. Become a patron today at patreon.com slash edwardvillanova. Lastly, you can follow me on Twitter at edwardvillanova.